welcome one and all throughout all time and space for this episode of Weaves on the Weekends, the podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look on an anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will cover the anime news for the first week of August 2021, as well as our thoughts on whether to resurrect or rebury the 2011 anime Dantelian no Shoka, aka the Mystic Archives of Dantelian. My name is San Martinez. I'm a part-time weeb, full-time automail mechanic. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jay Johnson, part-time weeb, full-time English language sensei. Now, Sensei Johnson, since last episode you spoke to us about your cooking endeavors, it brought to me, uh, to mind Food Wars, right? Mainly because when I uh, started watching it, I got into uh, the experimental feel. And just recently, I learned that the creative team for Food Wars, they got together and they did a sort of fan fiction homage short story series focusing on Sanji from One Piece. Were you aware of this um, this limited series? Not at all. Not at all. So that's good to hear because the manga always does like the recipes that happens in the anime. So I'm not surprised that they would go into other series and like say, oh, this is how uh, Sanji would have cooked the dish. Because I don't think Oda really does that. He doesn't give that attention to Sanji's cooking, which has kind of like taken a like kind of a back step from when he was introduced originally. But yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it was it, it was just funny because like when I first saw it, I ran across it on some of the sites that I was using. Uh, for my not so legal manga viewing, but now that I'm fully legit, right, and I've started using uh so, some of the better sources, and I saw it on there, and I w- I was just surprised because when I first saw it, I thought it was just a really good, clean, fan made fanfic type thing. I didn't know that it was by like that actual team, and as you said, like they go more into, um. I guess like the first couple chapters, they go more into how to prepare certain stuff. And because it's the world of One Piece, some of the uh, ingredients are fantastical and out there. Like there's a certain uh, fish that you have to cut a certain way. Otherwise, its insides would explode. So it was so in that essence, it was sort of like Sanji battling like the food and trying to figure out like how to prepare it properly, which was very enjoyable. And they also showcase how well they know the characters. So, for instance, there was one instance where Sanji is in a palace and he wants to help out in the kitchen, but he knows about the pride of what it is to be a chef, especially to be in that high regard. So he doesn't want to just insert himself there. Like, he only wants to be there if he's needed. (laughs) And very much like in One Piece fashion, the people that were supposed to come and relieve the palace guards, they had a case of the bad backs, so they couldn't come into work that day. But aside from that, like it's it's done very, very well, and I would uh, suggest that uh, for you to uh, digest, uh, pun unintended, I guess. Um, but aside from that, how has your week been? Uh, it's been pretty decent. I beat Minecraft finally. And... Oh, you beat the dragon? Yeah, I beat the dragon, and I was so over-prepared, so, like, I called, <laughs> like, I have a little notebook of yes. the different Minecraft projects that I'm, you know, undertaking, and I called this the Cautious Hero, um, because in the yes. anime Cautious Hero, or the 
the hero is overly powered and overly cautious. I think that's the full title because it's a light novel. But yeah, dude has like multiple sets of armors, multiple sets of tools. So I went into the fight with the dragon with like this god armor, essentially. And bruh, this <laughs> this dragon didn't know what hit him. And I finished... you yeeted the dragon instead. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I was worried about getting yeeted in the first place because I didn't want to lose my god armor, but that didn't happen. And then I just went to town on this dragon. I just slayed and left. So I'm so happy about that. But another project I was working on is called um, the Infinity Project because okay. in Minecraft there's like these gemstones and. You know, like the Infinity Stones in Minecraft. Yeah. And I found the Power Stone Ooh. Um, for the first time. And it's, like, huge. Like, the gemstones in Minecraft are basically, like... Is, is it, like, the size of a house? or it's, it's Oh, like, yeah, there you go. It's like a two-story okay. house, essentially. So I spent three hours mining it out <laughs> after I finished defeating the dragon because I just needed to come down off my high of killing this <laughs> dragon and taking his egg, which I did take his egg as well so oh I have my to hatch, goodness i have to hatch that eventually so anyways you get like a baby dragon then that would be cool <laughs> uh i actually don't know i'm not that too familiar with what you do with the egg after you defeat the dragon but oh. other than that uh i did get my results back from my cooking competition so i wasn't in the elite 10 but i did get a participation award and it's funny Yay. the winner i forgot what they call it in food board but i know it's like the top elite or the top chairs or something yeah but the number one chair that won was basically this very cute uh what is it called in japan those bento box a bento yeah. box curry dish and the chef that did it basically molded the molded the rice into little pandas and they were in like a little jacuzzi of <laughs> indian egg curry and i was like that how is... could i compete with that <laughs> so cute and adorable so they won off of creativity and like artistic expression. So I'm not too bad, but I'm definitely going that level for the next competition. So that's basically what I've been doing. It's just uh, it's been an up and a down, but I'm glad I got to participate in that competition and slay the dragon. But Sam, I think you have the news for us today, right? No, no, no. You have the news, Dave. Oh, I do. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. So <laughs> I am a professional newsman with the news for us, and. Sam, the time codes are going to be in the description because we have your pick for the anime review, and today I have the news. So, and now we have the news with Jay Johnson, as he has remembered that he has the news. <laughs> okay, we need to do that every single time now. Um, yeah, the little ticker tape. Um, so, this is, again, maybe some news catering to you, Sam, but the first news story for today is that Ty Kupo is celebrating his manga's 20th year anniversary by publishing a one-shot manga of the Bleach series, of his Bleach series. And this was big news this week where the image of Ichigo probably, I don't know how old he would be, I mean, how aged up he is, but he's definitely older. And at the end of the Bleach manga, you see that, I don't want to spoil the manga, but you see, like, it does take a few years after the conclusion of events of the manga series. So it's probably somewhere around that time. He has a slick haircut. It's that uh, boss, um, dilf kind of haircut, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be a 23-page one-shot. It's going to be released in the Weekly Shonen uh, August edition. So, Sam, now that we are seeing, like, the Bleach anime come back with the Thousand Year War, Blood mm -hmm. of War arc. 
are you excited for this? And are you looking forward to reading this one shot? I am so looking forward to reading the one shot. I mean, when the other one shot that he did, Burn the Witch, came out, I was so excited. I was like, he's back! My man is back! Yes! You know, just like in the J. Cole videos that you would see on YouTube. It's like, I can't believe my man's back. It's like, I can get my life together now. But it's uh, Bleach is near and dear to my heart. It's a big reason why I watch shows like Jujutsu Kaisen and things like that. And I just really, really loved how he did things. And I do realize that the franchise, it did suffer because he... Either he like his relationship with his editors, um, in in terms of like uh the stringent uh schedule they're trying to keep him on, the story did struggle with that, and it seems like he did lose his love for the manga scene because he's done. I think you mentioned this before, like he's done several other one shots and trying to become serialized, and Bleach was the only one that really took, and. I, I it's it's hard to come back from that right like you you've done uh so many shots at trying to uh get serialized and then you get serialized and it's essentially like you're trying to like cultivate this baby and then essentially somebody's like you know coming in essentially like scolding your parenting is like you're not doing this right you have to do this that and the third like you could tell that it was shaped and it was molded at a certain point along the way and if he does get back into it, I feel like he needs to take the uh, a similar approach to the same uh, mangaka. For, I forgot what her name was, but the artist, the author for Blue Exorcist, where she takes essentially a month to do a sort of like a dump. So like you said, with this upcoming one shot, it's about 73 pages, right? So it's huge. And the thing is, like, he's getting enough time to make it so that he can put it out there right so if he does uh the long form of serialization in that way if he wants to get back into it i feel like he can do that but then again it's it, it's it's all up to him and i know that it's got to be a huge thing mentally for him to tackle on but if anything i really hope that it's going to be a good addition and I really don't want it to end with the tease, but I know he's going to end it with the tease because he did the same thing with Burn the Witch. I just, so I need to prepare myself to get mad at him because of how excited he's and how he's going to play with my inner fanboy. But uh, what, what what about you? What, 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 are your, what are your thoughts on it? Because I think you might have seen Bleach on and off uh, when it was out too. Exactly, yeah. I was never a big fan of Bleach. I don't know why, really, with the age of the big three, Naruto and uh, One Piece and Bleach, is that there was like 360-some episodes of the Bleach anime in total, and then it ended around 2012. So it's one of the big three that kind of does wasn't given his fair shot. I mean, we're up to 900 uh, One Piece episodes with, I think, the Wano... Wano yeah, Island arc. arc is coming to an end. I forget how, where it is in the, you know, the manga versus the anime. But mm -hmm. yeah, and that Taikubo has kind of been that uh, maple stay of his character designs with Burn the Witch. And it pulled at least enough popularity where they're giving him the chance to write a season two for Burn the Witch. 
So, you know, he still has enough cachet in the manga community or industry that he can do what he wants. So, yeah, given that this thousand year blood war arc, <laughs> so many words, takes up about <laughs> takes about 20 chapters, as I last recall, like it takes up the last 20 volumes, 20 chapters. It takes up the last 20 volumes of the Bleach manga, and that would equate to roughly one and a half seasons or 24 episodes and then 12 episodes. So they might stretch it to, you know, two seasons, essentially, given that how many battles with um, the Quincy's and the Zero Squad is, and like giving it the due process that it's, you know, warranted. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it that if the comeback of Bleach is two seasons, I wouldn't mind at all. So, our second news story is that Anime New York Con, or sorry, Anime New York City, has set a in-person convention date of November 19th through the 21st. So, this is okay. coming out now because of the new mandates by New York State with the Excelsior, Excelsior Pass, where it's kind of functioning in the same vein as what Japan is doing with their passport or their vaccination passport which has been recognized by a few eu nations where for united or for new york city everyone can have their vaccination card printed out or downloaded onto their phone part of this excelsior pass program to get them into large indoor events and that's kind of what's going on with conventions in new york for now because the new york comic-con has not really been scheduled yet but they usually occur in October. So if we don't hear back or report on the news story, then it's probably going to be delayed again. But the anime New York City, wow, it's, wait, is it New York City Con? Because it's anime NYC. So it might be anime New York City, but <laughs> it's weird. Sorry. Uh, but it is a thing that a lot of conventions are coming back. Kamaket, which we talk about infrequently, but it's a very popular manga comic book convention in Japan has been also scheduled for December 30th through the 31st, which has been on a two-year hiatus given the uh, epidemic or the pandemic in Japan hitting higher than most countries, especially with its current rates like being the most, the highest that they've been since the pandemic started. But this is just a trend of following up your second, the new story that you reported on last week yeah. saying that a lot of conventions are now announcing that they're coming back in person, given a lot of restrictions, given that their numbers are going to be cut. So with Kamaket, they're going to set their, generally they have like 200K thousand or 200,000 uh, visitors per day, but they're going to set that to a tenth of that number and then also put in a lottery system. So that's kind of how the Kamaket is going to implement some quarantine procedures. But Sam, with this going into effect, do you see that this is going to be like the trend for the next year, that a lot of these mandates are going to happen or like a lot of these conventions are going to come back in full force again? Oh, uh, I, talk to, I was talking to uh, some of my coworkers about this. They're a little bit on the conspiratory side, but I mean, with some conspiracy, there's truth to it because even when in the beginning of the uh, pandemic we were discussing how when the vaccine comes around there'll there'll be a point where people will only let you participate in certain events if you have your vaccination card 
excuse me, I'm even getting that right now for me to go into some of the places I need to to see my patients. I need to have my vaccine card. I need to have a proof of my vaccine vaccination along with uh, my most recent COVID test. So it's um, definitely understandable that they would do something similar to this. I would be interested to see if they're going to keep the mask mandate or not, just because of what's going on with the Delta strain. But it's, as I said, it's definitely very, very, um, it's it's very natural uh, for them to ask to have uh, a form of vaccination to participate. Do they have something like that uh, going on where you're at, or do you see that trend being adopted in your neck of the, the world? Uh, not really. It's just that there's not really big events. I mean, movie theaters are still closed, and that's kind of been the one big venue because, again, the given close quarters of a movie theater. But other than that, bars have been open. I mean, uh, the Olympics is going on, so you do have to be out and drinking to support your own country. So that's oh, kind yeah, of, of course. Uh, that reason. But other than movie theaters, there's really no big venues that is restricting you know, attendance. Like restaurants are kind of back in full force. Uh, anything else, just everyone is mandated to wear masks. There's still the fine of, I think, a hundred, not 100,000, but 1,000 U.S. Uh, if you get caught on the street without your mask, it's kind of oh just become goodness. standard of me seeing people on the streets and like it's not normal to see people without the mask. So I guess it's been normalized. But I was interested in getting. I did bring up this news story because I wanted to get your opinion about the data Delta strain. Is that yeah. do you feel like it warrants another booster shot? Again, I'm not getting my news from the most reliable news source, <laughs> CNN, kind of <laughs> playing up fears about the vaccination but given that the delta strain has appeared like in this last month and mm. a lot of conventions are trying to sell the idea of coming back in person do you think those delta these conventions should wait another year or is it safe enough to implement these kind of low attendance or only vaccinated people can come and will actually be effective i feel like they should and, and and again, like this is not necessarily somebody who's th this is this is an this 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 opinion is more from my personal experience, and I'm not somebody who uh, is studying the virus. I'm not uh, I forgot what it's called. It's not an immunologist, but uh, whatever virologist. Uh, yeah, a virologist or whatever house is um, where where I actively study on it. But it's just like the trends that I've been seeing mainly where I'm at because with where I'm at it's uh they've, they've been very lackadaisical about the masks and with where I've been going people have been getting tested more because they're afraid of getting the symptoms for the virus so I would say if you know you're uh still uh afraid or if you have like any sort of uh thoughts from the news and things like that it, you know just it, it doesn't hurt to wear a mask even, even if you're vaccinated because i've spoken with uh some colleagues where uh one of my colleagues he's uh vaccinated he wears his mask out of uh, respect for his girlfriend that he lives with because she's immunocompromised because of uh, her own health condition and she, he doesn't want to bring anything 
back home that so that she may get it you know like if you don't want to wear a mask for yourself at least wear it for others and i feel as though like they should at least implement that to try to curtail it because again like where, where i'm at they've lifted the mask ban and then we see this huge insurgence of people going to get tested uh about the virus so even though there is some uh, mixed views on whether or not the masks work there is a correlation to the numbers of people getting tested or people you know receiving the symptoms so it's at least one precaution that can be taken moving forward so that we don't have to be shut down once again which a lot of people feel it may be going that way just because of how the powers that be are handling this situation again yeah it does seem that so not the convention scene is just killed because it's a long, it's a long time to say that to have two years of hiatus between conventions but if they do implement like a lottery system if they do implement like a reduce attendance numbers as well as during the digital presentation think conventions are going to stay alive in people's minds and when it actually is a safe time for everybody to come back it's going to be just the most hype events instead of risking it in the moment so for our last news story this is the anime feature the eternal 831 is set to premiere in january of next year i brought this story up because this is uh, another one of my um, directors that I really pay attention to is Keiji mm-hmm. uh, Kamiyama. Uh, he is the director of Eden of the East, which is one of my nine yeah. defi- defining animes. He's also responsible for Standalone Complex from the Ghost in a Cell series, Ghost in the Shell series. So he's really responsible for a lot of sci-fi things. He's even been on not on board, but he is directing the Blade Runner Black Lotus series that we talked about a couple of news stories, mm-hmm. as well as he's been put in charge of, oh no, this is where he's co-directing. He is co-directing the Lord of the Rings prequel film or the animated prequel film. I think it takes place on forgetting when this is happening, but this is all in collaboration with the Netflix, is it Netflix or Amazon? Amazon project that Lord of the Rings is doing. So he's a big name in the industry, and I just wanted to bring this story up front because not much is really known about it. There is a visual teaser and a statement or an interview that he gave saying that this is going to be a socially conscious young crime story, which is like a weird thing to put together, like socially conscious and crime story. So socially conscious how is is it is it is it about the pandemic is is it is it pre-pandemic i mean that kind of vague wording kind of does make it seem like that because there's also with the teaser there's this tagline that says who restarted time when it stopped which kind of sounds like pandemic <laughs> logic like, it does. we kind of been all in like stasis for like the past 15 months um so there's really nothing to talk about with this new story so we'll just keep our eye on it but sam does this so from what has just been in the news right now like this might involve time travel or some kind of time mechanic or it might be something about the pandemic and it's a young crime story does this sound interesting enough to you right now it sounds a little bit like did you see the netflix 
movie see you yesterday kind of i i remember the preview of the trailer for it but i never yeah. got around to watching it I, I i actually saw it and it, it it was it was interesting so like for for those who don't know it's about this uh I, I can't remember if they were in the inner city or like they were like on the outskirts of the inner city it's about these uh two uh young black kids in high school they end up finding time travel and one of the the kids they end up uh, one of the kids her brother ends up getting killed um by a cop for being in the wrong place in the wrong time and so the purpose of the story is them trying to hone in on their time travel mechanics so they can go back in time and stop uh, her brother from being killed and it sort of reminds me of that just just how you said like you're gonna be focusing on teenagers mainly just because that's like the most recent thing that i could think of that had teenagers that dealt with time travel aside from back to the future which it had uh <laughs> I, I forgot his name my friends are going to kill me for not remembering his name but the actor for marty mcfly he was uh actually in the movie see you yesterday and he said his line uh great scott so that 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 made me feel good but essentially uh it it's that that like I said, that's the thing that it sort of reminds me of. But like if you said like it's a co- crime drama, so it makes me think that there's probably going to be like a a time heist, uh type thing. So who knows? It may be influenced by uh Endgame, for all we know. But I, I was also looking into his uh Kimiyama's uh discography too. Um, not that that discography, but filmography, and he also did Moribito. And I saw a little bit of that one. I want to finish watching it. It was really good what I've seen. And he also did a lot of uh, blood as well. Like, I think he did uh, the movie. No, he did the screenplay for the movie. And he worked on the video game. And he also worked a little bit on Blood Sea. So, and I've been going through Blood Sea recently, just trying to dip my toe into the franchise to see what the hubbub's about. So it seems like he is a big influence in the anime community, as you said, in regards to sci-fi horror, much like how I think uh, Scott Ripley, I can't remember, the the writer for Aliens, how prolific that they are in the science fiction genre. It seems like he has uh, the similar clout as well with uh, all his work. So I'm very interested to see where he's going to go with in this movie. Exactly. It's all speculation right now. Yeah, so, yeah, the two names that you forgot was Ridley Scott and yes. Michael J. Fox. So, um, <laughs> I know. Hashtag fake fan. Get them oh, off no, the show. No, no. It's just completely, <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, but, yeah, so the other thing that reminded me, at least most recently, given that it's Netflix as well, is a map of perfect little things. And it's funny that it also reminded me of Girly, Girl, sen- Bunny, Girl, Senpai, because it is a rom-com essentially of two time travelers, Groundhog's Day, um, in the okay. same day, but they don't know each other exist until, you know, the stories, their stories cross path. And yeah, with time travel, it does take a competent mind to write a good story about time travel, just not that has time travel in it. So I guess we talked a little bit about uh the standard or the staple of Steinsgate where that is a story about time travel versus 
Back to the Future, which is a story that has time travel in it. Yeah. And if he does go in that direction of taking, you know, young adults and putting them in like a murder mystery or some kind of pandemic time to maybe solve how the pandemic spreads or <laughs> trying to find like the zero patient and try to we stop have, it from We have happening. to find the bat. We have to find the bat. <laughs> yeah, or essentially something like that. So, I mean, Erased is the other yeah. stand out with that kind of genre recently. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But Sam, that's all we have for the news. So now it's time to talk about a anime that is very oddly placed because this is following. Uh, what did we just talk about? We talked about uh, oh, uh, Natsumi's Natsume. yeah, Natsumi's Books mm-hmm. of Friends, which is a better version, in my opinion, to Nora Rise of the Yukai, and that this that you picked is the better version of Gosik. So yeah, can you tell us? Uh, tell me why you picked this for us. I'm glad that you had mentioned it because for some reason it it uh, reminded me of a genre and like it felt good, but I couldn't put my finger on exactly why I had liked it. So, and but Ghostlight was was interesting too. But we, we like I said, we could talk a little bit about it. So, as Jay had mentioned before, the time codes will be in the description below, and with today we will be reviewing. Dante Lion, I think that's how they pronounce it, or Dante Lion. I don't. Every time I see it, I think about Dandelion, but I don't know how it's spelled. I've only heard the word. So it's uh, Dante Lion no Shoka, aka the Mystic Archives of Dante Lion. And the reason why I chose this anime was mainly because it had the tags of action, mystery, and it was supernatural. It seemed like something that I would have watched had I known about it back then. And um, have you heard anything about this anime up until now, Jay? Or this was your first exposure to it? <laughs> it's my first time because it's <laughs> odd that, again, like this is a period of why we're talking about animes from 10 years ago, about things that just yeah. were completely missed at the time of our you know, university education. But it's surprising that... One, I heard about uh, Penny and Stocking in 2010, but I didn't hear about this Studio Dynax production. So it's very odd that this kind of just completely missed my head. I had no idea this even existed. Exactly. Like, uh, for instance, I did when I was looking into it, I didn't realize that it was Gynax as well. And it, it, it just made me think it's like, bam, it's like, I like what I like. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know that it was Gynax. But essentially the premise of the story is we follow our protagonist his name is hugh anthony disward also known as huey he is in the beginning of the show he is shown going to his grandfather's estate his grandfather was murdered and his uh everything that was in his grandfather's possessions was passed on down to him however in order for him to inherit the manor and everything that was inside it, he must take ownership and sort of guard what his grandfather called to be the Bibliotheca Mystica de Dantelian, an archive that's supposed to have uh, books of renown as well as books of rarity and even some quote-unquote forbidden books. And as he's going through the the mansion he runs into a girl known that goes by dantelian and she informs him of 
his grandfather's murder and he ends up going to uh the person he ends up being invited to uh the person's home that the that Dantelene had informed him about and that's when he is exposed to what is known as phantom books basically books that shouldn't exist in the real world but either can manifest through the uh with the right person or the wrong person and it turns out like with the right person they can help the per help them flourish and make things go for the better or they can become natural disasters and from then on we are sort of uh, palling around with Huey and Dantelian or uh Delian in regards to their everyday uh with him being a job as a book procurer or I forgot what it's called when you're being called in and essentially inspecting books and appraising them, uh, a book appraisal. And while they're on their journey, as well as taking care of phantom books along the way. So as Jay had mentioned before, this, this was done by Studio Gynex. The source of this material was a light novel, and it also has the rating R uh through 17 plus for violence and profanity i was able to watch this on funimation jay was that where you were able to watch it as well or were you uh, able to find this somewhere else no it's only licensed through funimation uh just to give, give you a bit of a um an idea of where you can find it and I'm just trying to check real quick to see about its reception because I've forgotten. No, I didn't forget. Uh, there isn't anything here really about um, its uh, reception. Other than I know that there was an OVA that was made in 2012 after its uh, 12 anime run. So it did warrant enough for that. But for some reason, as you said, like it just seems to have, to have flown under the radar and it from what we've, or at least like from what I've seen, it seems like this was given a lot of time and love as well. So, Jay, after, uh, what were your thoughts on it? Because you said that this was the better version of Gosik. Why do you think that? Well, there's a couple of things about that because my whole contention with Gosik was that it was playing on a lot of Shakespeare, uh, not Shakespearean, but Sherlock Holmesian, I guess. Uh, mysteries and murder stories that I'm just familiar with completely and has been reiterated with multiple different adaptations from like the Sherlock Holmes with the BBC to like the American version with Elementary and yes. even like some of the smaller stories of like the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> oh my god! So I'm yes, you 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 just set me back. You put me in a time warp. <laughs> yeah, so now. it's like all of the canon around Sherlock Holmes I've kind of been just inundated with. So I didn't really vibe with Gosick, but with Dantelion, with this series, it's telling so much mythology that is like recorded out through history. We kind of talked about that why we both loved Occult Academy is that they yes. go into folklore, they go into mythology. And then on top of all that history that they're basically educating you on is a supernatural element that 
makes the story so much more darker and gory. And there is this argument between those two series that one focuses on like super realism where none of these murders are like spectacular. If you're the smartest person in the room, you can figure it out. And then with this series, it's super naturalism where everything that happens in this world, there's some kind of supernatural cause to it. It's that no murders are just outright gory by human conditioning. It's that people manifest They're being influenced by something else. Exactly. It's that they either cause it through like malice or uh, tragedy, and then it blows up essentially with these supernatural elements. Like with the second episode, there's a golem that spawns around like uh, adultery and like there's like this mass murder so it's like really gory so like you said with the rating it's 17 plus 18 plus so topping that off from the ghostic comparison ghostic is very childish even though it's animated by studio bones and there's like some grimy elements to it to make it dark with this series it's very grim (laughs) it's not it's not fun i guess it's enjoyable, but it's not a fun watch because of how dark the stories are. <laughs> because, again, my my favorite episode is the second episode. Like, yes. there's a maid and a dude is walking next to her. And the dude just explodes because the golem just crushes him. And, like, she's just splattered with blood. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> she's just like, oh, no, I got my dress dirty again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, she, she plays into the... Yeah. Well, okay, so spoiler of that episode, but she's the culprit. <laughs> and like you see that with the direction of the show, and again, something that Studio Gynax is really excels in is their sense of cinematography, is that the main character, Huey, sees her smile while she's trying to pretend like she doesn't know what happened. Yeah. And there's just so many small things in that episode. Like there's a moment when Stewie is meeting Colonel Um, I forgot, but he's the dude that dies later. You notice that the colonel notices that Huey's hand is gloved, his right hand is gloved because of the key that he has to use to open the archives. There is so much to the show that I want to talk about. Oh, that I love. he ends up doing that because, all right, I, I I didn't realize that. I know that after he makes that pact with Dalian, and with her character, it I, I guess that's something that they explain later on. Because she acts like as his access to the bibliotheca. And they have some sort of pact or some sort of ritual in which he essentially pulls out a book or a tome from her. As you said, like she, he has like that uh, locket on his hand. And like afterwards, like you see that he had like, like it's permanently on his hand. But I didn't realize that like after that that he started wearing gloves to hide it. So, I mean, that's that's a very subtle thing, and it makes sense. And it's a bit weird, because even though you say, like, it's super grim, it, which it is, but it doesn't feel all that grim to me. I guess mainly because we're, we're following Huey. Like, this, the story, it takes place after World War One, where he comes back as a pilot from being in the war so he is used to being in dire situations 
he can handle himself in that regard and he can also direct other people while he's while they're in dire straits so i guess because he can handle the situation so level-headedly and he's able to function normally outside of that it may it, it doesn't feel as dark and as grim or say like with uh, another series like dead men wonderland where we're following uh sinji where he's just being overwhelmed by everything you know like it, it it's it's just uh the your perspective changes with the well at least my perspective changes with the different characters that we're following because shinji is freaking out or the main character for, uh, from Future Diary, he's freaking out because he's always with Yuno. It's like, okay, it's super dark, super gruesome. But with this series, since I'm following somebody that can handle this stuff, that knows when to freak out, that knows when to take care of business, like, I feel... I, I don't feel that same sense of grim and dismay unless I see the character... Uh, experience that as well oh yeah just because in that golem episode again like he sees the golem blow up the guy and then he just pulls out his gun and starts shooting it and like that's just how calm he is because he pops off maybe yeah. four shots but he realizes that it's not penetrating so he just stops firing and he doesn't freak out he's just aware of what's happening mm -hmm. in that situation and again not to bring down gosik again but it is that the main character in that show is a military student, so he doesn't have that experience or that dead calm that you would expect a veteran to have. So again, going forward with the story and why it resonates so well, and like what you just keyed into is that when you're dealing with the supernatural, kind of like Indiana Jones, actually, now I'm thinking about it, is that Indiana Jones oh, yeah. is not anti-God, but... He's an atheist, essentially, but he's dealing with godly weapons on a daily basis or in every single movie. So that kind of goes the same thing with Huey, is that he's seen the worst of humanity in war. So when he gets into these all supernatural occurrences that are generated by humans, he's like, meh. And <laughs> it's so endearing for his character because yes. even though he has that personality, he's like unfazed by all this supernatural going on he still has time to joke um with um i think how i heard it in the show was yes. dahlia dahlia is her name and that, like, that would sort of make sense yeah because she's more like she looks like a doll like he, he explains that to her and like as, as and dahlia i think that is a, a play on of uh either a flower or a specific type of doll okay that makes sense yeah because she is that whole lolita look like she's a lot more gothic with her dark purple hair, essentially, in her Victorian England English um, get-up, her outfit. And, again, just the idea of their relationship just plays a lot better than Ngosik because they are that Sherlock Holmes-Watson comparison where I said, Ngosik, the, the male lead in that show, is just milk toast. I think that's the first time I've ever said that <laughs> word before, but milk toast, like, he's just milk toast, just bland and flavorless, but and here, like, Huey's, like, charming, he's unfazed by all of his craziness, he's well-mannered, he has a sense of humor, he treats um, Dahlia as, like, a younger sister, essentially, even though yeah. he's taking her taking her on as, like, his guardian, so he does fulfill that role a little bit more. 
So there's just so much more to his character than as you, as you said, he contributes a whole lot more. Whereas um, Dahlia, she provides. It, it seems like it's sort of flipped, right? Whereas Dahlia, she provides the academic know-how. Whereas Huey, he provides the real-world know-how, right? How it, it was all throughout uh, episode two. He, she was based uh, ha- having to deal with um, this girl for some reason. People were just dying around her, and people were you know saying like there's a curse or whatever. She's like, there's no such thing as a curse. There's no such thing as a curse. And he's like, something's happening. People are always dying around her. It's like we have to do something, right? You know, it's like not he's not writing off what she's saying as a negative but he's trying to re-inject like the actuality of what's actually happening right and because i guess like that's another reason for her character too because like her character is flawed in the sense of because she uh is exposed to the library that is the bibliotheca she has this arrogance about her in the sense of that she knows everything and because she has such academic prowess she sort of looks down on everybody and she would make like a snide comment like whenever you say something that she'd expect you to say or something that she didn't know herself she'll be like oh so it seems like you too are cultured and she pulls pushes up her uh invisible glasses trying to give you a backhanded compliment so like the <clears throat> fact that like she's so flawed in that way it allows uh huey to shine with him and his his real world experience and because as you said he treats her like a little sister he berates her but in a compassionate way so to speak he's not berating her to put her down but berating her to make her grow so that she can interact with people better yeah there's a thing of like like you said that she has the knowledge but he has the wisdom and that's why they make a good pairing is that she can have all this academic expertise, but she doesn't have the context perspective to make it actually make sense for what's going on in the story. And to say that there's a story is not really saying much. There is no really overarching plot in the first episode. I thought like, oh, the grandfather got killed. That's going to be the central mystery of the story. But nope, gets resolved by episode one or even like in the midway tune saying, oh yeah, that's the guy that killed your grandfather. <laughs> and so like, again, like something to bring up to why this is an yeah. odd comparison to follow up to Natsumi's and Books of Friends is that it's very episodic. It's only 12 exactly. episodes and it's going to be a Phantom Book of the Week series. <laughs> so it's very odd that each of the episodes is like named after like the book that appears in the episode mm-hmm. so you know where you are. But... There's not much to the show other than, you know, oh no, actually, the best thing about the show is the weird um, mechanic for activating a book. So, uh, like you said, that Keely has a essentially a birthmark now on his right hand where he has to activate a key to unlock Dahlia's mystic archive where inside the archive is a girl also. So, like, there's a librarian inside of Dahlia as well and her and Huey probably have some kind of past. The OP is very interesting in that it sets up a lot that's probably going to go on in the story. Again, only watching the first three episodes you see in the OP there's another 
girl that has a lock on her eye. So there's another yeah. archive probably out there in the world, but an evil archive. So there's probably going to be a small comparison to Moriarty and them being the Sherlock Holmes version. But with the activation of the archive, essentially Huey pulls out a book very much like Guilty Gear. I don't know if yeah. uh, anyone's right, really seen gu- Guilty gu- Gear. Gu- guilty Crown, Guilty Crown. Guilty Crown, Guilty Crown, yeah. Essentially, he pulls out the weapon or the book, and then he has to essentially read the story to activate the power. And again, I'm going to keep talking about the second episode because it's so well done, is that he pulls out a shield from, I think, Greek stories about the Argonauts. I forgot which Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that was a shield. Yeah, it was oh, a shield, I know, yeah. I, I know. Okay, so he pulled, out a, he pulled out two things. That was the first time that he did that. Like, he pulled out a shield, and then he pulled out a tablet. Because golems yeah. are from uh, Jewish uh, mythology. Or, right. I don't know if that's the proper... No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the homunculus Jewish um, backstory of that. And then, yeah, he calls down lightning because of that as well. So it's like a biblical command, essentially. So, yeah, so a lot of that goes into, like, they list out some of the powers that you can have access to, which is, like, so awesome that she contains, like, 900,000 different powers. <laughs> so it's like a story that could have literally done the Natsumi thing of then of, like, having mm. several seasons and going so far into the future with just a slice of life oh monster book of the week kind of thing but given that it's based off a light novel uh you talked about the reception is that it has a couple of mangas i think it has three mangas but it has a very short run in the light novel scene with eight volumes so there's not really much to really expand on essentially so 12 episodes is kind of perfect for it i would say like as i was watching this it was that that was one thing that I I, I was sort of uh, conflicted about because as you said it was so episodic in nature, and I'm I'm just watching it and I'm like damn why am I liking this so much I just complained about episodic episodes the last episode I was like why am I liking it so much and I think it's a lot like you said it's just like the dynamic of those two whereas not to me and Madara Madara is just meh you live you die meh I'm here whereas. Huey and Dahlia, they're actively interacting with each other. There is something to uh, see while they're doing that thing. And it's also a bit more fast-paced. It's, uh, you really get a sense of, uh, because as I said, like, there's uh, Fanta books, and uh, his grandfather was killed to, uh, so that uh, Fanta book can be taken from him. From him. And in one of the episodes, we see people actively trying to steal from Huey and Dahlia a phantom book as well. So you get this uh, sense that, you know, there are people out there actively searching for these books and trying to steal them. So and looking from the uh, intro, you would surmise that, you know, they're going to run into either a bigger organization or, like you said, a Moriarty-type group where it may be they have a small collection of phantom books or they're trying to amass phantom books for some reason. So because it's a bit more fast-paced and has action in it, I feel, I, I and with what's going on in the intro, I feel like there is a bigger story to be had and I trust the show enough that I'll have a good time trying to get there 
That's fair because of the same way that Gosick worked is that it was leading up to World War II. So yeah. any story that does take place in the intervening years between World War One and Two is always going to lead into whatever supernatural element caused World War Two to happen. So <laughs> that's what it does seem like it should be going towards, yeah. even though. Even in the Robert Downey Jr. version of the Sherlock Holmes mythos, Moriarty was responsible for helping to start World War One. So that's always just always at play with the Sherlock Holmes kind of stories. Yes. And the last comparison I want to make um, about this is that it reminded me of is Zatch Bell. I don't know if you remember yes. Zatch Bell, <laughs> but yes, it's so weird that uh, we're following up like. Uh, not to me like with a power book and that this is literally about power books <laughs> and it's so weird that i haven't remembered zatch bell in so long and i was like what is that show with little cheapy characters and power books but yeah it's zatch bell i don't even remember when it came out but i guess early 2000s but so much to the power system is interesting Studio Gynax gives a lot of love to background designs as well as the musicality of it. The character design is awesome. Or the character design is not anything outstanding. I guess it's not above board because uh, what's got Studio Gynax has kind of only done a handful of things. So to say that they have a particular character design is not, you know, making a grand statement. But the writing is on par with, um, you know, series that I love. And to get a, a recommendation of Resurrect is kind of easy. So I'm going to say this is a Resurrect from the Sam. How about you? Dude, like t talking about the different art. So as you said, the background, even when he goes to the mansion, it's the way they play around with the art styles. is So it's interesting because everything on his grandfather's mansion, it's like it's watercolored or I, I don't know what the name of that art style is, but it's like a soft uh, water-based type of painting where the borders are blurred and it's sort of like you see the borders just because of the changing colors, right? It's very soft, but like with him, he's drawn differently. And even, oh my goodness, the bumps in between like the commercials, right? They are done so beautifully and so gothic and it's, ah, it's, it's great. Um, as you said, like this is this is a huge. Uh, th this is really good, and I'm I don't know why it was under the radar. This also gets a recommendation and a resurrection from me because I, I just wanted I want other people to get exposed to this. This this was one of Guy Nax's hidden gems, I believe. My only uh my 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 only uh critic critique for this would be. Why doesn't he have two other brothers named Dewey and Louie? That would have made this show <laughs> that much better, in my opinion. But yeah, so uh, aside from that, do you have uh, any other uh, thoughts? Just to parallel what you said, because I don't want to talk about too much about the animation because I was falling in love with it. Like, So I kept talking about episode two because yes. I just watched it. So I watched the first three episodes <laughs> and then I watched the second episode three more times. <laughs> because of like those bumpers that you said in the middle yes. they have this very um okay oh so to talk about that scene that you were talking about with the mansion is that it does look like paint on glass watercolor kind of composition mm -hmm. to it and i didn't go into depth about the to animate the uh, key animator that was responsible for that 
But yes, uh, to say that there's a lot of artistic love given to small scenes and to background design is like so weird for a 2011 anime. And I can't really think of anything else competing with that. Uh, to look at the OP is very, it keeps with that same tone of gothic design. It's like not very dour, but it's essentially, uh, what would you call it? Essentially just setting the tone for the series is that everything is going to be slow paced. It's going to be methodical. People are going to focus on the dialogue with like short bursts of action and intrigue. So that just follows through with the show into those bumpers because there's this design that, oh, that's what it looks like. It looks like Limbo. Oh, Limbo, um, the video game uh, with the oh, little boy okay. running. Yeah, so like very yeah. creepy kind of silhouetted characters to like the duality of like light versus dark. It plays upon that. But yeah, um, anything else? It just reminds me of Black Butler <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> given that, you know, she's the little powerful girl with a superpower and he's like kind of a normal guy as well as Mushishi again to pick up that it's not spirits but it's books essentially being the omniscient or spirit books spirit books essentially yeah (laughs) so like there's a lot of series that it feels like this is connected to and I'm glad that you picked this Sam Uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, it was was a good uh, gem that we were able to find and hopefully with this show we can probably bring a resurgence and have uh some love that this uh show properly deserves so as we said before that was a resurrect from jay that was a resurrect from me and for next episode we will be talking about usagi drop is is that how it's pronounced jay usagi yeah rabbit drop yeah yeah Yeah, rabbit drop because i think this was your choice oh yes definitely my choice because it's one of those Slice of life story. So sorry about that again, Sam. But this is a slice of life we story. Have three that think... slice of lives in a row. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> but uh, but this one goes into like the very you know the kind of just standard living kind of slice of life of I think it kind of parallels to the most recently sweetness and lightning. Just the idea of a father and daughter story just taking okay. place in modern day Japan, and I was looking forward to this very much because i don't really look at slice of life like this all right no that would be very interesting so come back with us next time so we can talk about a uh father and daughter story that doesn't well hopefully won't end in tragedy like what happened with uh thanos and gamora i'm sorry i have a uh, infinity uh uh the, the infinity war uh in my head because of what you said earlier jay but Aside from that, uh, that's all that I have. Jay, is there anything else that you would like to say before we sign off? Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would have told you. It's a Sith legend.